This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. This morning I want to talk to you about uh, disclaimers. You're familiar with disclaimers? I think we, we hear them all the time. Usually the disclaimers, well, we, we hear stuff like this, I think, almost every day. Okay, so we can stop that one, right? You, you, you got it, right? You got it. Yeah, we hear that all the time. Right? It's just it, it, sometimes it sounds like the cure could be more dangerous than the disease. Now, if you're like me, though, the ones that really capture my attention are the ones that sound more like this. Sorry, the sound is low. So, I, I don't know, you, you think it's a tech, technology that they can talk so fast, but apparently some people can. Well, so, we're familiar with disclaimers, and uh, we understand that it's sort of like, it serves to kind of hedge someone's bets against what we might experience. Well, the reason I want to talk to you about disclaimers today is that, uh, I, I don't know about you, I don't know what's happening in your home, but in the last few weeks in our home, it has been feeling kind of uphill. Have you ever had a week or two or three or four when, when you almost say out loud, Jesus, come on here, you know, like I could use a little help. Like uh, this, this is not like, where are you? Like why? And then just when it thinks, you're thinking, okay, yeah, I think I'm over the hump, it gets worse. And you say to yourself, why does it always have to be so hard? You found yourself, maybe, if you're here today and you know Jesus as your Savior, and you would consider yourself his disciple, his follower, have you uh, found yourself, I don't know, a little disenchanted lately? 
Of course, you're certain that it's your problem, not his, because the, the right answer is Jesus. He's fine, so it's us. But it sure seems like it's just uphill all the time. I really thought having Jesus in my life would make my life, I don't know, better. Is that, is that such a bizarre thought? I thought Jesus in my life and serving him actively would bring an improvement to my life. I mean, this is Jesus after all. And yet, it's maybe not what we're experiencing. I realize it's probably just in my house, not in your house. So maybe, maybe Jesus should have made a few disclaimers as he invited us to be his disciples. I want to point out one, and that's found in the book of John 15. So if you have a Bible, turn it to John 15. There's a blue hardcover Bible there, or we'll project the text up here as well. There we go. In John 15, he's sitting around the table with his disciples before he goes to the cross, and he said this. He said, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would have loved you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you also. Sorry, I can't read. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours as well, also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. So I guess we could say that Jesus did kind of give a disclaimer. He said, hey, the world hates me, they're going to hate you. But now, now I guess I have to make a disclaimer. When I'm feeling disenchanted with my spiritual life, that's not usually the problem. I mean, what he's describing is that the, the world is coming against you because, is that, what, is, that, is that why you're struggling in your spiritual life? Because the world is coming against you because of your bold proclamation of the gospel. Hmm. Actually, problems like that would be an improvement for most of us. Yeah, see, actually, thanks Jesus, but that's actually not the source of my problems. There, things are getting bad because the world is hating me because I'm always telling everybody how to go to heaven. So, have you felt discouraged lately? A little unmotivated. A little diluted. Then I want to I do a little exercise. Okay, so if you're feeling this way, now if you're not, if you've been doing great, then you can pray for me right now. Okay, you just pray through the rest of this because you don't need this. But if you've experienced that kind of like dryness, that kind of, huh, I thought this would get easier by now. If you've experienced that, then I want, here's an exercise. I want you to think back for a minute and ask yourself, what was the context when I was feeling these things? What was I dealing with? What, what, where was I? What was going on around me? Go ahead, think of it. See if you can catalog that for a second.
Okay, Steve, we got a problem. This is not working. So you're going to have to forward for me. How about this? Next. Just for, yeah. Did any of those come up? The last time you felt discouraged and a little despondent, a little weary, did it have anything to do with family members? Did it have anything to do with your future hopes, your future pay raises, your future home, your future? Did it have anything to do with the stuff that you have? Yeah, you know, maybe we all have some, some things in common. So what kind of a disclaimer? What, what is it we wish Jesus would have told us about how to deal with these things? I mean, again, it makes sense. If I'm following Jesus, he should bless Go ahead, Nick. Steve, I'm, unless there's something that I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Yep. I'll just keep saying slide, and you can do it for me. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 14, starting in verse 26. Listen to what Jesus had to say about following him. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even their own life, then such a person cannot be my disciple. Okay, now we all know that Jesus intends for us to love our families and take care of them. I mean, in general. He's not saying abandon everybody. That's not what he's commanding here. In fact, Jesus told John to take care of his own mother after he died. But what Jesus is referring to here is the issue of priority, the role that our family plays in our lives. For some of us, your family, your spouse or your children or your grandchildren, your extended family, they are part of what gives you purpose. They are a source of fulfillment for you. They become your purpose for living. And what Jesus is saying is, if that's how you feel, then we have a, a problem, Houston. Here's a hard question. Would Jesus ever lead any of us to a future for our family that was less secure than what we have now? Would Jesus ever lead us to a job that paid less? Or lead us to a town that was less hospitable? Further from family? Could Jesus ever do something so harsh? I think about Paul. In Acts 16, you remember, Paul was going through on his missionary journey, and he wanted to go into... Oh, no, the Lord said, no, stop. Don't, don't go here. But instead, that night, he hears another call from Macedonia. No, go this way. And so, so he and his companions, they turn their direction, change their direction. They're following the Lord's leading, and they go into a city like Ephesus. God sent him to Ephesus. And because Paul obeyed him and went to the city of Ephesus, what happened? He got arrested. Good plan, Jesus. Thank you very much. I'm thinking that if one of us got arrested this week, <laughs> any testimonies? Okay, now, I'm going to suggest that if you were released from your position of employment this week, 
over a dispute that came up between you and some other coworkers, and the, the start of the whole dispute was actually you just trying to get to the core of what the gospel is and what you believe and what Jesus offered. And they were offended, and it became a hoopla, and finally the boss says, this is the last straw, I've had it, and you were released. I'm going to think you would go home and say, well, that didn't work out so well. So here's Paul, following Jesus, goes to Ephesus. He gets thrown in jail. Oh, but, oh, so you're saying, well, wait, Mike, the story's not over. Good for you. Yes, the story's not over. You see, Paul and Silas are in there singing and praying, and there's an earthquake, and the doors fall open. Yes! And then Paul does what? He stays there. Okay, so now we know who the real problem is. It's Paul. I break you out of prison, and you stay there in chains. Way to go, knucklehead. Why in the world, after... Jesus sends him to Ephesus, and he gets thrown in jail, and now God rescues him out of jail, and he stays in prison. Why in the world would you do that? And he stayed because he knew that remaining in chains would give him a better platform to share the gospel than running free. And so he stayed. And the rest of his time in Ephesus was just about as difficult at times. But he stayed and kept sharing the teachings of Christ. Well, let's look at the next verse slide. Verse 27 in Luke 14, Jesus goes on to say this, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We won't take time this morning. We've talked about it before. We, it's easy to understand that a cross maybe was symbolic like the electric chair or a, a hangman's noose today. It was a sign of death and punishment. And what it meant to take up your cross was clear. Essentially what Jesus is saying is that anybody who thinks you're going to follow him, first, they have to be willing to set aside their own plans for their life. Set aside your hopes and dreams and instead take his. You know, and just in, case, just in case we're tempted to think that Jesus didn't give a full disclosure, didn't make a full disclaimer, slide, he goes on. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? If, for if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. He gives another illustration in the next verse. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a, a delegation while the other is still a long way off, and he will ask for terms of peace. Next slide. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Hmm. He doesn't mean that literally, though, right? I mean, there's some figurative application. I mean, what are you just, he's just kind of like, because he's not really after our stuff, is he? I'm not going to lie to you. I read it this week and I thought, well, whoops. My first thought was, but that's not what he really means. Or is it? 
the part of me that says, but you don't really want my stuff stuff, is the part of me that he's speaking to. Now, we all have stuff. In fact, we, as corporately, have more stuff than perhaps almost anyone has ever in the history of mankind. We really are. I know you don't think so, because your, your sibling has something that you don't have. But the truth is, we've got lots of stuff. And, and Jesus isn't actually asking us to get rid of it, but he is asking us to give up ownership of it. All of these things, he says, are simply tools for you to use. Some of you go to jobs and you use tools every day that you could never afford. Huge machines and, 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 and you use these, this equipment and this stuff. It's not yours. You're simply given it to use to do what you've been hired to do. Jesus says, if you don't give up ownership of all that stuff, I want you to notice this. He doesn't say, you won't make the best disciple. He doesn't say, you won't even make a good disciple. He says, you cannot follow me. Now, if you're like me, what you hear him saying is, no, you're not allowed to follow me. You cannot be my disciple. And I want to suggest this morning that maybe we should think of it a little differently. I want you to imagine trying to follow Jesus, and there's a, a, a sound as Jesus is walking along. Crumph, turns around, and you're in a, a heap. Sorry, sorry. And you get up. Go ahead. And two more steps. Crumph, and you're, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, and Jesus says, you just can't follow me. Not carrying that stuff. Not looking back, worrying about all that. He's grabbing my face saying, Mike, you just can't follow me with all that stuff. He's not condemning. He's just telling us how it is. Controlling ownership. Now, you know, we run into a problem here with this today. I think as Americans, especially, our culture, Satan loves to use culture. And he has used our culture not to banish Jesus, I think more effectively, in some places he's gotten rid of him some, but he's been more effective at actually creating a different Jesus. Our culture throughout the nation of our history, I was thinking about since 9-11 and everything, the, the, the history of our nation, we have always wrestled with our version of Jesus. And the culture's version of Jesus doesn't always line up with what the scriptures says. I mean, the culture is fine with a version of Jesus that we say, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> They're okay with the Jesus that we call out to when things get crazy as a source of kind of help, like a rabbit's foot. They're perfectly fine with the Jesus that will help you with those big decisions by just simply wearing a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? They're fine talking about a Jesus who will protect our country from Islamic terrorism. Oh, that's okay. And it's been happening throughout history. Thomas Jefferson, if you know the story, took his Bible and cut out all the portions, literally cut them out, cut and paste, <laughs> literally, taking out all of the things that he found distasteful 
about Jesus and his teaching. And the result was something that Thomas Jefferson thought was a much more enlightened Jesus. In 1910, you know the name Billy Sunday? Billy Sunday was a Presbyterian revivalist and evangelist, and he led thousands of people to the Lord. But you know what else he did? He raised millions of dollars for the war effort. Those two went together. How interesting. Do you remember 15 years ago when those towers fell? Do you remember how easy it was to hear people talk about Jesus all over the place? The question is, which Jesus? They were praying to this version of Jesus where he'll come to the rescue and he'll restore our stuff. Not the one who says, you need to give up your stuff. Billy Sunday is known for one of, a lot of times he would say, if you, and I can't use his, that accent, this, but if you, if you were to take hell and turn it upside down, stamped across the bottom, it says made in Germany. <laughs> you know, and if you listen to our current election cycle, Boy, you know what we hear? So many of the same things. See, they're willing. They're gonna, their version of Jesus is this party, that party, this social program, that social program. You know, as long as, you're, as, long as your Jesus is going to fight the Nazis or fight the Muslim terrorists, then, oh, yeah, I'm all for that. But is that the Jesus that the scriptures re- represent? I'm not sure. And there were so many other aspects. Uh, many of you lived through the, the Jesus movement back when I was a little boy. And what was so interesting is these people who were coming out of drugs and this wild stuff and then finding Jesus, but no Bible teaching, no really traditions. And so the question they kept asking was simply was, hey man, what does Jesus mean to you? And that's the same Jesus we still imagine. Well, what does Jesus do for you? What does Jesus mean for you? Whatever. As long as it's good, man. Good for you. Works for you. That's all that matters. Okay, so now, so now even recently. So now we have contemporary Christian music channels. Great song. Guilty. Great song. Listened to it a bunch this week. And yet, you know what I, I notice? It's easy for me to listen to hours of that radio not read hours in my Bible. Uh, uh, hey, it, if we're not going to read our Bible anyway, the music's better than nothing. Okay. But, you know, every song that talks about Jesus and every song pulls my heart one way or another. And I'm, I'm not bashing it. I love it. And I asked myself, if this was the only Bible Jesus impression I got, I'm not sure it's the Jesus I read about. It's not wrong to listen to it. The issue is letting it form the image of Jesus rather than the scriptures. We just have to be careful. Does this or doesn't it line up with what Jesus said about himself? And today, our country is okay with a Jesus who will bless our nation and make us great again. Hmm. We want a Jesus who will make us wealthy. We want a Jesus who will make our children better than average. 
We want a Jesus who will minimize or eliminate the really bad stuff. I mean, so we can serve him and all. Jesus, if you make me rich, I will bless so many people. So, of course, if I'm serving the Lord, if I'm helping in children's ministry, if I'm helping set up, if I'm helping with the men's, with, with the ladies, with, uh, if, if I'm active, if I'm busy at church, well then of, I should expect that at least the things that I'm doing for you at church should be a source of joy and encouragement. And they should not leave me tired <laughs> and frustrated. Really frustrated. Because <laughs> the knuckleheads that are in my church... And so we serve, perhaps. We work hard. And then we say, why has it got to be so hard? I mean, this is church. It's, you're your people. Can't you say something to your people? So maybe it's not Jesus who has to make the disclaimer. Maybe it's not Jesus who owes us a disclosure. Maybe we owe him one. Maybe we should be saying something to him. Slide. In Matthew 7, Jesus said this. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The gate that he's talking about is entrance to a saving relationship with him. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, today's the day. He died for you. The sin that you commit becomes a barrier between you and God. He died to make the payment for that. He's taken it on himself. And now because your sin has been dealt with, he can give you eternal life and he wants to give it as a free gift. No contingencies, no connections, no strings attached. No, well, I'm going to take you to heaven as long as you keep going to church. Keep doing this. Quit doing that. He wants to give you eternal life freely because you couldn't afford it anyway. Because he loves you. That's why you're here, actually, if you don't know Jesus and you're wondering, what am I doing here? That's why you're here. Because he loves you. And his spirit has been whispering that in your ear. He loves you. He died for you. And maybe today is the day that you need to put your faith in him and say, I'm stop fighting. Why am I fighting this? Today's the day. But if you're here as a follower of Jesus then you understand that we've entered by that narrow gate. But what comes after us being saved? It's supposed to be us following him. When Jesus talks about a narrow gate, what comes after the narrow gate? A narrow road. Hmm. Maybe we've forgotten that not only do we enter through a narrow gate, but the path of following him, that's a narrow one too. It's easy to slip off the path. It's easy to step off and follow the wrong trail. It's easy to lose our way. We don't stay straight on the path. 
And we don't stay straight to stay saved. We stay straight on the path to follow him as his disciples. Slide. Remember what Jesus said? In Luke 22, when he was talking to his father, he said, Father, if you're willing, you can take this cup from me in Gethsemane, just before the cross. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus came to earth to do not his will, but the will of his father. No surprise that following him, we should also set aside fulfilling our will and instead fulfill the father's will. It shouldn't catch us by surprise. Slide. You know this passage, right? But what about you, Jesus says? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you're God's Messiah. Next. And Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. By the way, the the NIV does capture the change, although maybe not as accurately as I would like, since I'm such a scholar. But do you notice the change in tense? You, you deny yourself. It's sort of an aorist sense of, like, this is done, once and done, kind of a, it's just simply done. But the taking up and following is present imperative. It's something that's done daily. That explains that feeling of disenchanted. That explains that feeling of tired. That explains that feeling of, come on, I thought this would get easier. Have you picked it up today? That'd be a great bracelet, right? Great bumper sticker. Have you picked it up today? What? Your cross. You picked it up today? Many years ago, I was at a retreat with a bunch of young men, high school age men, Many of them were wrestling with thought life issues like every young man would. And they made a promise to Christ that they were going to depend on him and, and stay pure. It was really neat, really moving. And as part of that, they all, we all went up forward. There was a cross with all these white rocks. And we each took a stone to take it home. I still have that stone. I stopped carrying it. Mostly because... I've gained some weight, and now when I put something in my pockets, it shows. But you know, for years, I kept that little white stone, and I kept slipping it in my pocket. Looking back, it was my way of picking that challenge up again. This issue of following Jesus isn't ever going to get easier. I wish I could make it easy for you. I'd be famous. But you see, following Jesus, if that's indeed what you've said you want to do, means walking on a narrow path, it's going to be hard. I want to close with a passage that means a lot to me. And what I'd like to do is just simply read this. It's an extended passage, 24 verses. 
Can we read that long? <laughs> Let's see. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which, by the way, is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves also of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to one another since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as through the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wouldn't it be great to stop there? So moving. <laughs> so moving, so touching. Now Jesus is going to go right to where we all got tired. He's not afraid of it. Wives, submit to your husbands. <gasps> We're not going to go there. Respond correctly. How about husbands? Happy to go there, huh? Love your wives and don't be harsh. <laughs> Why do we bark? This is all application of what we just read. Wives, husbands, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. Slaves, uh, employees. <laughs> Obey your boss in everything. And do it not only when their eyes are on you, but to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. By the way, I, I find it interesting that you got twice as much verbiage about work. Why would the Lord speak to that so much? Only you can answer that. Next. And whatever you do, trifle at it. Dabble at it. 
Ease into it. Roll with it. I don't know. What is it that you're tempted to think the Christian life is supposed to be? Those are words that come to my mind. Just kind of go with the flow with it. He says, work at it with all your heart. You're not going to do this and something else at the same time, guys. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's all. Let me just ask you, if you have been feeling discouraged, you've been feeling disenchanted, you're wondering when does it get easier, the good news is when you die. (laughs) But every time when it is hard, and it will be hard every time, if it is not hard, you are not doing the right work. But when it is hard, he will meet you in it. The real question is, do we actually believe that or not? If you know Jesus as your Savior, and you know that he called you, slide. Listen, this is C.S. Lewis speaking from Jesus' perspective in Mere Christianity. One of my favorite quotes. This is, I want you to hear Jesus, not C.S. Lewis. Jesus says this, Make no mistake, if you let me, I will make you perfect. The moment you put yourself in my hands, that is what you are in for. Nothing less, nothing other than that. Now, you have free will. And if you choose, you can push me away. But if you do not push me away, understand that I am going to see this job through. Whatever suffering it may cost you in earthly life, whatever inconceivable purification it may cost you, whatever it costs me, I will never rest, nor let you rest until you are literally perfect. Until my father can say without reservation that he is well pleased with you as he has said he is well pleased with me. This I can do and will do but I will not do anything less. Yeah, maybe we owe him a disclaimer. Maybe we owe him a disclosure. Next. Next. We're going to close now. I did not write this for you. I wrote this for me. If it applies to you, go figure. Jesus, you saved me, and I want to follow you. But I have strayed off the path. Put my family before you, put accumulating stuff before you, put my own will and my dreams above yours. I confess this to you today. And I ask you to forgive me and to restore me. And to enable me to follow you more closely. Ben's going to do music. 
you, you and I have work to do. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know how many times in the last few weeks I have thought to myself, when is it going to get easier? (laughs) I don't know where that came from. And so I must come back again and remind myself of the commitment that you ask from all of us. We have a free will. We don't have to follow you. But if we choose to, you are not going to relent. And so right now, Lord Jesus, some in this room are going to yield again to your leadership. We're going to pick up that cross again. So change us. Keep us close so that we could follow you. For it's in your matchless name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.